We all have a story, and all Star Wars fans have a Star Wars story. Join James as he talks with a special guest each episode to share their Star Wars story. Here's James! Hello everyone, this is the Outlander Club. My name is James Azuli. Joining me today is Andrew Fantasia. Andrew, thanks for joining us today on the Outlander Club, the story of your star. No, it's your Star Wars story told. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Do you want to buy some dust sticks? Why don't you go home and rethink your life? How about oh, that? That's a good idea. All right. It's a great idea. That's a I'm Star Wars story. Elan Slees Bagano yep. rethinking his whole life, a Star Wars story. That's it. All right. Before we get started into this one, why don't you give everybody a little bit of a uh, a background on who you are very quickly. Who are you and why they should care about your Star Wars? Don't tell anything about Star Wars, but why would anyone care about your Star Wars story? I'm Andrew Fantasia. I am 34 years old. What? Years young. Years young, I should say. That's You're the that right way to now? say it. Yeah. It's, uh, Were you it's a teenager when we met? I'm pretty sure I was. Pretty Gosh, sure right, I was. That going. would have been chestnuts. So, yeah, I was yeah. in my twenties. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, keep wow. going. Keep going. Sorry, Inter uh, interjecting here. Uh, and why should people care about what I have to say? Because um, I, I, oh boy, why should people care what I have to say? Because I have a lot of experience with film and storytelling, and Star Wars is both of those things. So I've been around the block enough to know a good film slash story when I see one. That's why. I'm sticking to that. I did it. All right. Let's get right into it. Everybody is uh, – thank you all for joining us today listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe or leave a review on iTunes. Or if you're listening, wherever you listen to podcasts, that's where you will find this bad boy here. Uh, Andrew, let's get started on Star Wars. You were born in 1902. That would make you 34 years old. So you're born – my math is correct. I know you're, we don't have to say what you're eight, 1987. You were born. Um, and I know, cause you, we've talked about this many a times cause you're no stranger to me, but I know you didn't get into star Wars right away. So why don't you take us through the journey, your journey to star Wars? How did you get from no star Wars in your life to a ripe young age of 32 when you finally found out what star Wars was? That's right. I was 32 <laughs> and a half and I was like, what's, what's a lightsaber? And somebody explained it all to me. Um, yes. But I still knew more about the prequels than J.J. Abrams did. Hey-oh! Um, okay, so what's uh, what's the... And that's, you, that's coming from a J.J. Uh, um, fan. You're a fanboy of Mr. Abrams. Um, you were I when Lost was around. Then he lost you when he made... Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what he's done. What has he made? Anyway, continue. His name, his name is on way too many things. I'm like, there's no way one man approved all these things. There, there's no way. Uh, so my journey kind of started being uh, just growing up with, you know, watching movies at home as a little child. And the one that was part of my sort of DNA, the one, because I remember you saying you don't remember the time before Star Wars for you. It was just sort of there you remember being put down by your parents and return of the jedi's playing for me that was back to the future i don't remember the first time i saw back to the future it was just always present in my life 
uh, my earliest memories, I'm just like, yay, Marty's time traveling. Like that was that was it. That was the thing. Uh, so I got started on on the the movie train fairly early, and there were you know the the prerequisite things that kids love to watch. Like there was that. I was all over Beauty and the Beast. I was all over Ducktales the movie. Uh, then there were things that kids should not be watching and have no business watching, but I was all over anyway, like Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs, one of the greatest horror movies of our time. Uh, those were just kind of all over my life when I was a toddler. And then uh, my fifth birthday came along. Um, and for my fifth birthday, I don't know what, why it happened on my fifth birthday, but I guess I was just old enough to appreciate it. My mom was like, okay, I'm taking you to Disney World. And I'm like, okay. Uh, we weren't really a family that vacationed a lot. Like it was just not in our budget. So that was like my was first. A big, a big treat for you. Yeah. It was the first vacation of my life and the the last one until 2010. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we went to Disney World and there was, uh, you know, all the Disney World things. There's the Mickey Mousicles that are shaped like his ears that I remember and all these kinds of things. Uh, but there was a lot of lineups, James, because it's a theme park and you line up a lot to go do things that take less time than the line that you're in. And thankfully, Disney was kind enough to pepper their lines with stuff that you can sort of look at or watch or read while you're waiting in line. So it's not just a grueling process. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's still the same. Uh, and in one of the lineups, I couldn't tell you what the lineup was for. I have no memory of what we were in line to see. And I don't even know why it was here because this was the early 90s and Disney and Star Wars were not a thing yet. But there was this big glass tank up against the wall uh, with a Darth Vader inside it. Um, hopefully not a real human being. Hopefully just a mannequin. But uh, he was breathing. He was making the breathing noise. And... I'm looking at this mannequin and we're stopped in such a way with the lineup that I'm right up against it. And I'm, I'm just transfixed. I'm like, what is this terrifying man? I had never heard a mannequin breathing before. So five-year-old me, I was like, there's a guy in there. There's a man in that case. And I, I was just like freaked out. And I'm asking my mom, what's the deal with this, with this scuba diver man? Cause that's what I thought he was. He looked like mm -hmm. he was going to join the cast of Thunderball and fighting underwater. Uh, my mom said, oh, that, that's Darth Vader. He's from Star Wars. He's, he's a bad guy. You better watch out or he's going to get you. And I freaked out. And I'm like, you mean he's really in there? I can hear him breathing. And my mom's like, yeah, he's really in there. So, so you know, don't make him mad. And that, that like freaked me right the hell out. And I spent the rest of the line just sort of thinking about this man. And at, at any point, he could crash right through that glass and come get us because he was there, man. He was real. And the trip went on. We came back home and that was that. And I, you know, I had some memories that I remembered from Disney world and some that I don't. And the Darth Vader one was one that popped out at me. So a couple of years later, I think I was seven at this point. My mom comes home one day. She's got a bag full of three VHS tapes. And those three VHS tapes are the original trilogy. The last time you could get them in their original form. Without, that's the one, is that the one where they had, I think it was like Vader, Yoda, and was it a Stormtrooper? What was it? Yeah, that's exactly that one. Yeah. yeah those, uh, uh, you know, it's funny is I was, um, I, my dad almost bought me those because we only, like my Star Wars was only taped off of my grandmother's beta 
tapes or taped off TV. That's how I had Star Wars growing up. I never, they never bought me Star Wars. And my dad almost purchased those on Columbia House for all you oldies out there. I don't know if you Columbia remember Columbia House. House you would, they're like, get your first 20 CDs or VHS for 99 cents. And then after that, you had to pay like $30 for a CD or, or VHS tape. My dad almost bought them on it. He, we didn't have the, the VHS. He almost was going to do it. And then, and then it was the fact that you have to pay like top, top dollar going forward for the rest of them. That changed his mind. But I was at a so I was at a vintage store on last weekend, and they had the special edition ones on VHS for sale, and I was tempted to to get them, uh, but oddly enough, my father in law has the exact same box set of the <laughs> it's widescreen, it's the gold widescreen. He has the exact same one, so I said, well, there's no point in getting that. But if it was the ones that you're referring to, I would in a heartbeat patch those up. Yeah, those ones were the. I think the special edition one was gold. Uh, the case was gold. These ones were black, and they they just had like the half of the face. Of the face, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and they, I'll, I'll never forgive him for this, but they they came with uh, an interview with George yes. Lucas and Leonard Malton at the Leonard beginning Malton. of each day. And I'll never forgive Leonard because uh. He he spoiled parts of the movie for me because it, uh-huh. it happens. It comes on before the movie starts, so I'm sitting there for each one. And you know, Leonard is like, "So how did you create the Yoda puppet?" And then they would show clips of the Yoda puppet. So when the movie starts and this weird little goblin is talking to yeah, Luke, yeah. I'm like, "Well, I I know who that is now." Uh, and and so much of it was spelled out for me in those interviews. Uh, I really am. I'm, I'm so curious what the the parallel universe, Andrew. Uh, what his reaction was like if he saw those movies without seeing those interviews, because it would have been different reactions for sure. Yeah, I I can't speak to it because, like I said, Star Wars is before I can remember. So Yoda, I always always have a recollection of Yoda. Um, I'm thinking like the the only one I can think that I probably saw without realizing I saw was Return of the Jedi. And if I and if, if I'm being honest, it's probably the first Star Wars movie I ever saw. Because I, I don't, it's the toys, right? I was thinking of this with um, Ghostbusters. With, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife came out earlier this year. I think a lot about Ghostbusters. And I loved Ghostbusters growing up. And I used to have these little books. They were like this big, like really small, like, I don't know, three inches by four inches. They were small, but they were the making of. And they showed this uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, the guy in the suit on like this town with all these toy cars and everybody and, the, and painting the dogs. It was, the, I don't know if I still have those books. They were really cool. They were very small. I ended up getting the Ghostbusters 2 one. I was disappointed. It was really big. That one was like a massive, like eight by 11 book. The other ones were very small. They're my grandmother. She gave them to me. I love these books. But I'm pretty sure the cartoon was my Ghostbusters that I started watching. The toys and the cartoon was my Ghostbusters. And then Ghostbusters 2 came out. And I, I'll never forget just waiting impatiently for it to uh, – because no, I couldn't go – no one would take me to the theater for it. So I waited imp- impatiently for it to, to show up on um, whatever our movie network was way, way back then. We had it. And, and I set my, my VCR to record. That's an old uh, tape player. Before DVR and PVR, we had to – and I had it set up for it and I was so excited and I remember I made my whole family come and watch it and then uh, and then my friend knocked on the door and I was like dude it's Ghostbusters 2 day you gotta go and anyway it's the same type of thing that you're saying though where, where it, you know it's like things were spoiled because I had all the making ofs and everything was spoiled but it's weird when you think back it's like maybe maybe 
for me, it wasn't a movie that I saw. It was a toy or a cartoon. But you always, I don't know, I always have these memories of these movies. It's its uh, surreal. Do you remember your reaction at the end of Ghostbusters 2? Oh, it was the greatest movie ever made. Yeah, great, great. Greatest movie ever. I mean, I was, what was I, 8, 9, 10? I was somewhere around there. And and uh, I had, like, I had every, like, I had every Star Wars toy five years earlier. This year, I had every Ghostbusters thing. I, had, I didn't have the, the, the fire uh, station, obviously. But I had, like, Ecto-1 was my favorite movie car of all time. And the Ecto-1, I had this Highway Haunted toy with, like, a, it was a big or something, a bug. Mm-hmm. And, like, you open it up and, like, a... It's a praying mantis, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had all these toys, all these figures. Um, the ones that you hit their arms and their heads went ah, like crazy. So the movie, I, when people say they don't like it, I'm always, I'm still like, are you sure you're tired? Are you sure you? I just, but it was one of those, it was, you know, I mentioned going to Ninja Turtles in the theater as well for the first time. And like, there are movies that just, when you're a kid, they just, you know, they pop. And uh, and for you, Star Wars, that would have been your Star Wars, right? Because I didn't have that experience with Star Wars, but it seems more like for you, it would have popped a little bit for you with Star Wars, seeing it for the first time when you're able to re- remember and, and uh, comprehend what's on the screen. Yeah, being old enough to kind of let everything sink in. And I did let stuff sink in because I remember, you know, you're a kid, you don't really have much to do. It's not like I was, <laughs> I wasn't busy. Um, what? But I, I distinctly remember putting on the, the VHS of A New Hope and watching it. And then I waited like at least a week before I put in Empire. And then I think even longer before I put in Jedi. I don't know what I was waiting for. Like, I don't know what uh-huh. else I had going on in my life. Like, I, I couldn't tell you if this was summertime. You were or cutting not, a so lot of grass school. for the neighbors. Maybe. Uh, no, I'm afraid of bees. So that probably wouldn't have been the case. <laughs> I would have started one lawn and then run away in fear. You're working at the beehive that summer. (laughs) So I I don't know why I waited, but I I remember when I got to Jedi and I finished it because I had waited so long, because, you know, long for a kid, maybe it was like a month in total. But because I had that big span of time, I remember getting emotional, like, oh, man, that when I saw A New Hope, that was so long ago. And now now it's over. Now the story's done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how old were you when this all happened i was about seven seven at, seven at the oldest yeah yeah so seven i'm trying to do the math that's what i'm asking you trying to do the math seven would have brought you to nine, 94 94 95 yes. so, okay so now we're around the time what for me as now i'm a i'm, I'm going into my teenage years you're just learning how to talk but mm-hmm. i'm getting older for me now, this is the time where it's like, oh, George Lucas is talking about bringing Star Wars back. Um, I think, you know, it was around the time that Shadows of the Empire is becoming this thing. For you, when you finished that last movie, were you kind of done with Star You were just like, were you content with, oh, Star Wars is done. I'm going to move on back to Back to the Future or, or Gargoyles or whatever it was. Were you just like, you never, like, did you give it a second thought? Do you remember? Not really. So yeah, I didn't yeah. really give it second thoughts. And you're right. I did. I had a lot of stuff I was consuming at that point in my life, right? Like that was the point of the the Spider-Man animated series that I was obsessed with as a child, like mm-hmm. to the point where I would cry if I couldn't get like a Kingpin toy, like that kind of thing. Um, did you get the Kingpin toy? I did. Yeah. I had Kingpin, Craven, and Spider-Man. You still so. have Kingpin, right? Not my original one, but I did buy a new one. Yeah, yeah, because I'm pretty sure I saw it at your place, but now I'm disappointed in you. So yeah, I wish it was the original one. Um, 
and I was obsessed with like Power Rangers back then, unfortunately. Uh, and like the they're Batman coming back though. Series. They're they're coming back, hopefully better than they were, because <laughs> that was not a great show. Um, so you know that was that was my world, the world of a '90s child. I was all up in that. I was all up in Sega Genesis, and I used to get the Sega newsletter. You know, it was I was all over the '90s kid stuff. So Star Wars just kind of blended into the crowd until like three years later, until '97, when they really started putting out. Uh, I think the special editions started to come out. Mm -hmm. uh, Shadows came out. They mm -hmm. were talking more about the prequels. And more Star Wars stuff was hitting the shelves. And it's funny because I had no interest in seeing the special edition. Like they, I remember them coming out in theaters. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh, I think I may have asked my dad once, like just to be like, hey, can we go see this just so I could see what the big deal was. I think I asked once and he's like, yeah, but Andrew, you have those movies at home. Why would you pay to see them in theater? And I'm like, yeah, good point. And that's like, that was it. Like I didn't think yeah. of it again. I didn't uh, read the shadows book uh, or the shadows comic or any of the novels at all. But I, I don't know what compelled me to, but I was uh, in a bookstore and I saw the essential guide to vehicles and vessels. And I'm like, I can read a book about all the ships and stuff. That's a thing. And I started like so random. Yeah. I, uh, somebody bought me that book and I got hooked and I'm like, there are more of these. The back was like showing me. I'm like, I can learn about the people. They're even more interesting than whatever Dash's ship is called. So I started looking at those and, and, and entrenching myself in this universe and realizing how much world building could make something, could elevate something from being just good to being this all-encompassing, wondrous thing. I had not discovered Lord of the Rings yet, so I didn't know how crazy world building could get. Uh, but I was I was hooked on that. I was hooked on like, yeah, you know, Palpatine is cool and R2-D2 is cool, but check out this person named like Elder Shticketh who's in this book. I, he looks like a velociraptor. I don't know what he's from, but I'm, I'm reading about him. And that just sort of opened my floodgates. And I'm like, oh my God, this, there's so much you could do in this world. And I started subscribing to Star Wars Kids magazine and that that Visions game that we've talked about on the channel before. We've got to like, we got to pause on the Visions game. Yeah, the video you've done two videos on it. Oh, sorry, I missions. Of, I don't know why I called it. Visions. Yeah, missions. So I yeah. yeah, I don't. And I went with you on the <laughs> missions. But you've done two videos. One is just basically your own special edition of the first one. Like you did, you George Lucas your own video. Yeah, and I gotta say. The views are not, I mean, none of, none of our views are, but it's not astronomical, but they're so, I send you every once in a while, I'm like, what the, like, they're so consistent. They consistently get views and comments, and I need just to, like, bam, just cut in here, because we're here, and, I mean, we, you brought us to this point. Mm -hmm. How the heck did you get this missions thing? What compelled you to get it? And and furthermore, what do you think it is about it that are bringing people back? To watch that, because like literally the the clickbait sells on YouTube. Like I, no one likes to believe it, but clickbait sells on YouTube. There's no clickbait on those. That the videos aren't astronomical, but they're consistent, and there's no clickbait on them because you can't clickbait a game from 1990, whatever, whatever, 2000, whatever it was. You can't clickbait. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's amazing that you tapped into something that so many other. It's like a little like, it's 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 um a niche group of you that are like this was the best thing ever i gotta know that story that was I've, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out where i first 
came into contact with that. That would have been around 97. And the only thing I can think of was the Holy of Holies for kids like me in grade school, which was the Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, yes. I was just talking about that, actually. Oh, those, wasn't that the, you get that newsletter that's like all the yes. colors of the rainbow. And it's like, I remember in, I think, grade one, they had this like beautiful hardcover, uh, like look and find book of Animaniacs. And it was like the most vibrant color. I still have it somewhere. Uh, and that was the first thing I ever wrote on Scholastic Book Fair. And I was like, wow. With my first, my first Scholastic book, grade one also. It was a, it was like one of those picture books, you know, the bendable like kids picture book with word like like three words and it's all colorful. It was Alf goes to camp. Oh, Alf, Alf went to, to camp at the camp counselors and he hung out. And I, I don't think I still have that book, but that was my first scholastic book. I don't know why my parents allowed me to grab that one, but I got Alf goes to camp. Did they play Buila baseball at camp? I also, I don't know, but I do have Alf, an Alf vinyl uh, 35, the small, is that what the small vinyls are? And he sings Take Me Up to the Ball Game on it. Oh <laughs> my because, God. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I just, uh, that's, yours was Animaniacs and mine was Alf. Is this it? That's the one. Yeah, he's in the canoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the canoe one's the one that I got. Oh my God, you pulled that up. <laughs> the listeners are like, I got to watch the YouTube video to see Summer it. Summer Camp Adventure. Yeah, that's wow. the one. With the, Yep, that is the exact one. I, I got to see if I don't, I don't have that anymore. <laughs> I wish. It was with my Bernstein Bears collection. Then. Oh, what was the other one? I, that other one, too. I can't remember what the other one was. The other one was really good, whatever that was. But, anyways, um, Scholastic Book Fair missions go. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where I saw it. I must have just opened it up and seen a Star Wars and gone ballistic uh and so i ordered it and it was a mail order thing so you get it every month in the mail which i i used to love that as a kid i had when i would subscribe to like magazines it's like every month there's like a treat yeah. waiting for you it was so much fun your parents uh, must have loved it oh they, they were every month overjoyed. there's a treat waiting for them too on their credit card bill yeah. oh <laughs> uh, was andrew's toy again i wonder how much that cost the first one couldn't have been cheap because it's like you got a lot of stuff um but it uh, so it comes in the mail. You get your magazine. The first one gives you that carrying case, that beautiful cheap plastic carrying case that looks like Vader's face. And you get all these cards and dice and notepads and instructions and stuff and a map. And uh, it just every year they just kept cranking out. Sorry, not every year. Every month they kept cranking out new material. And you get your little uh, thin novelette. That's your basically your choose your own adventure book that you kind of guide you through your mission. And that was sort of the the pinnacle of uh, my fandom back then in 97 because it was this interactive thing that I could be a part of. And then coupled with all those essential guides, it was like, wow, I, I don't even need the movies anymore. Look at all this crap I got. And that was when uh, they started talking about the prequels and you would Star Wars Kids Magazine would have these articles called like, hey, ask R2-D2 about the prequels, kids. He'll tell you stuff. And R2 would be like, yeah, man, right now we, we cast this girl named Natalie Portman and she's going to play a character called the Young Queen. And we're like, wow, a queen. We haven't had a queen in Star Wars yet. And it, it built the hype. It did exactly what it was supposed to do, James. It built hype so that for the next two years, from 97 to 99, all I could think of was, there's another trilogy coming. There's another trilogy coming. We're going to see more Star Wars stuff and more Star Wars movies in my brain back then inevitably meant more Star Wars essential guides and more Star Wars visual dictionaries and maybe more Star Wars missions. I didn't know so, that they would discontinue it, but 
So your mind hasn't changed much in the last 20, 20 It really years. hasn't. No, 34 years young and still 10 years old. <laughs> still you watch me like, when am I going to get the visual dictionary? I'm still waiting for the Mandalorian one. Um, but you know what? That was postponed, right? It was postponed. And to be fair, I would rather have one giant one that covers four seasons. Like at the end. Yeah, than a bunch of really thin, like 20-page mm -hmm. books per season. So I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy content. Right. That's fine. That's fair, I suppose. Yeah. If you are okay, so those two years, you you got your Star Wars kids that your parents, you know, paid good money for. <laughs> you didn't care. You're like, pay whatever it costs. It's worth it. <laughs> and then, um, I was a I was in high school when the Phantom Menace trailer came out, and you spent seven hours on dial-up QuickTime. I. <laughs> You know, you'd be like, oh, my God, download already. And then by the time it would like get to that, I didn't have the Internet. This is all a lie. But by the time it would get down to downloading, Entertainment Tonight already showed it on their, on their <laughs> show. So do, do, you, do you remember? I do remember trying to download it in school. And it was like, I think it took an entire computer class. Because back then, kids, you learned how to use the Internet. No, you learned. Was it the Internet or was it? There was some class where I would go in there. Be computer, there were only computers in like one classroom. We'd go into the, that's how old I am. You go into the one classroom, sit at your computer, and they'd be like, This is a Word document. Open the, and it would be all blue with white font. Um, do you re recall seeing the Phantom Menace trailer for the first time? Because you would have been a, just hitting teenage years or just before the teenage years when that dropped. Do you, re or no, you would have been 10, 11? I would have been, I can't do math. No, you I, turned, been I turned 10 years. in 97. And the trailer so came out. I, I would have been about eleven going on twelve. Okay. Do you do you remember that? Like, is that something you remember? Were you looking forward to it, or was that still beyond you? That's. I definitely wouldn't have had internet, so I don't know where I would have seen it. Entertainment um, Tonight. See, I don't know if I even would have had Entertainment Tonight on my radar. Um. Ba da 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 da. -da. That's the theme song. Yeah, but uh, 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 that was uh, what's her, <laughs> what's her name there? Mary Hart. Was Mary she, Hart. And, yeah, and I used to watch back in the John Tesh days. Oh, the John Tesh radio show. I like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, he co-hosts. Uh, anyway, that's why. So that's where I first saw. It. But I was just wondering because you're so much younger. It would that have been on your radar? But even at that age, like I don't know. Like I, I'm sure if you when you saw it, you were probably excited. Is that is that fair to say? Probably, yeah. The tra like, I really wish I could remember that trailer. What I remember more than the trailer is just the influx of the merchandise, mm -hmm. right? Like, there were those Pepsi cans. And no one the, bought. Yeah, the, yeah. The Pepsi cans were the best, man. All the characters. I remember distinctly the fruit snacks. There were fruit mm -hmm. snacks, and every color slash flavor was a different character. And I, I just remember looking at the box. I don't even remember if I ate any, but I remember looking at the box, and it shows all the colors and stuff. And the red one was Darth Maul. And I remember thinking, that makes sense. He's a really red guy. <laughs> that, was, that was the extent of that. Uh, and, you know, all the little toys coming out and stuff. So that was more on my radar than the trailer itself. And I really just, I think, I think the trailer was so far from my mind because of the fact that I was like, nothing was getting me more excited than the movie. You know, like no, nothing could make me more want to see it more. So 
I, I didn't need to be sold. I was just living in a world where for the first time, because you know, I was experiencing Star Wars when it was sort of dead, for lack of a better term, when uh-huh. I first got uh-huh. into it. So for the first time, I was experiencing a whole world that was looking at Star Wars and talking about Star Wars. And I think that was what captured my attention more than the trailer is seeing kids around me who like at recess, I could say Obi-Wan and they'd be like, what are you talking about? And now they're like, wow, Darth Maul's the coolest yeah. thing ever. Right? So that became like a microcosm of how today everything in Hollywood is kind of based around like comic book nerd stuff. It was like a, a little taste of that. Like all of a sudden, hey, Andrew's the guy who's been talking about Star Wars for two years, like nonstop. Um, maybe he knows about this crazy movie that's coming out. So it it bled into the real world more. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned how Star Wars was dead because I think people don't realize, you know, because we're so spoiled now. But they, like, because I got it, like when I said in the 80s, I didn't even re- like it wasn't a thing. It was just Star Wars was Star Wars. It was everywhere. There was Ewoks, droids on TV. I saw Ewoks on Ice, which I mentioned all the time. <laughs> like it was just a part of it. And then and then somewhere around the, the late 80s, I, for me, it just ceased to exist. It just stopped. And every Christmas, I say, every Christmas, uh, we had a VHS tape with uh, Return of the Jedi. And after Return of the Jedi was uh, Christmas Vacation, National Anthem's Christmas yeah. Vacation. So every Christmas, it would be, James, go set up the, v- the tape to Christmas Vacation. And I would always fast forward. And I would end it too early. And it would always be like, this is how bad I was at fast forwarding. It would be at, like Jabba's Palace. Oh my God. <laughs> I wouldn't even, I'd be like, I'm so, you know, I was a kid. I was, you know, I had no, I was like, get there. There's a dawn. And play. But then I would be like, oh man, I love this movie. And I would watch like half of the movie. And then my dad would be like, did you get it set up? And I'm like, I got caught up in Return of the Jedi. I got, and I think a couple of times he would be like, oh, okay, let's just watch this. And we sit and we watch it. And then my mom would be like, get that movie. And we're like, ah. So we do it. Um, but it died, like it stopped. It stopped being a thing, and then in the the, and then Shadows of the Empire. I know there's a Thrawn trilogy, but that, um, for my age bracket, that wasn't like a big deal. But Shadows of the Empire was when I was like, oh, it's starting to what it, Star Wars is back. It was kind of like a weird, like Star Wars is back. Like that's what I felt. I'm like really, you're bringing it. Like okay, because then there was the book was so big, the game, and then all the toys. I was like, oh. But by the time the prequels came, like I saw, I saw the the originals in the theater, special edition in the theater, and then the prequels was just like this explosion. So let's go right into Phantom Menace. You you're a kid. Did you see it in the theater? Yep, I saw it. My dad and my stepmom took me, and I remember lining up outside. It was a beautiful day. Oh, it, was, yeah. it was May, right? So we're lining up outside, and there was like uh, the the rope things to line up and there was actually a sign a plastic sign with the logo you know episode one phantom menace line up here and it was the first time i had ever had to line up for a movie and i i was was like taken aback i was like this is so cool like this is huge and of course i loved it i came out of it i loved it uh first thing i did because it's amazing andrew it's amazing i I called my cousin vince uh because he he was the only person in my family who was like a big star wars guy and um, I, he had seen it before me. He went with his friends because he was around your age. Uh, so he was older. He got to go by himself. And um, he, like, I knew the day he had gone. And he told me, he's like, yeah, Andrew, when I get home from the movie, I'll call you and tell you, you know, what I thought. 
And I just remember waiting by the phone, like Vince is going to call soon. He's going to call soon. And then when he called, I asked, I was like asking him a million questions. Like, is, does it have the crawl? What color is Qui-Gon's lightsaber? What is it? What is it? And, um, so when I finished watching mine, I like, he told me like, okay, call me so that I can hear your thoughts. And I remember just having a big, long conversation with him about everything. And, uh, I think I ended up seeing it three times altogether. And I had never done that before. With Especially emotion. at that age. How did yeah. you con your parents into going three times? Well, I had divorced parents. So there was one dad time, one mom time. Okay, and then sure. there was another, at least two times. <laughs> yeah. The other time I, I distinctly remember, I think my mom and her boyfriend wanted to go see something that I had no interest in seeing. So I was like, guys, <laughs> can you just drop me off in theater number four? And they're like, yeah, okay. I'm like, yay! <laughs> back, back. I mean, even that 20 years ago, you were able to do that. Now it's like, nope. Yeah, <laughs> not been there alone. You, you not. But so you loved it, obviously, because it's it was made for that. I remember reading the before I got to see a reading audience reaction saying they hated Jar Jar Binks. What were your thoughts of Jar Jar? Did you have wait? Did you even have it? Like, did you even think anything of Jar Jar? Like at that age, or was Jar Jar just a character in Star Wars? I distinctly remember talking to Vince on the phone, and one of the things I said, I was like, Jar Jar was a little bit annoying, wasn't he? And he's like, Yeah, a little bit. And I was like, Yeah, but whatever it was cool and that was it mm-hmm. there was he wasn't uh and like my cousin was older he's a teenager so if any of the two of us was going to be like vehemently against jar jar yeah. probably would have been him but he was like no he's like whatever you know he was there he said i got used to him the same way i got used to chewbacca like just this thing that roars and doesn't speak like he said he he got used to jar jar like that so it didn't uh it didn't really come into the equation he was not uh it, he didn't affect anything negatively. And I still remember the w- the time that I went alone when I got dropped off into the theater. The theater was full of adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of them laughed when Jar Jar said, excuse me. So I think that tells you all you need to know. Mm-hmm. So everyone lies. I, I love, I'm a huge Jar Jar fan. I've always loved Jar Jar. There was one time in my 20s when I watched it and I said, oh, he's kind of annoying. Only that one time, and then after that, I'm like, I love Jar Jar. I just, I'm really, I really always like Jar Jar. I don't care. He's just a Star Wars character that actually, without him, we wouldn't even have uh, a series. So, take that to the to the bank. So you're a kid. You're uh, you're just past ten years old. You're on to 11, 11, 12 when Phantom Menace comes out. Yeah, it came out you're a few weeks at- before my twelfth birthday. Yeah, May. Your birthday's in June. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um. But look, so at that age, it's easy to like, cause t- as you get older, as you know, and, and I'm, I really know time just like speeds by, right? Like, you're like, well, I got to wait until March. You're like, March will be here before you know it. Don't even worry. When you're a kid, if you got to wait a week, it's like, oh my gosh, how am mm-hmm. I going to get there? Right. So there's three years between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. That for me as a, as a, High school, or I, I mean, if if I think about it, I went high school to college, and I was halfway through college by the time Attack of the Clones comes. Like that, like looking back on, it, I'm like, wow, that's time has passed. But in the moment, it was like, bam, 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 it was here. For you though, I'm guessing it took a long time. Did were you able to maintain excitement for Star Wars in those three years, or did it fade away at all? Oh no! If anything, it heightened um, because the for three the, years at twelve years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, the excitement for 
the the last two prequels was so much more palpable than the excitement for Phantom Menace um, because they, I think it, it became a more communal thing. There were more people around me who were excited so we could kind of feed off each other. And the beauty of the timing uh, that I think it was just so fortunate was my high school career was timed perfectly with it. I started high school in September, 2001. And I graduated in June 2005. So literally my whole high school career was Attack of the Clones is about to come out. And now we wait for Revenge of the Sith and Revenge of the Sith is out and I graduate. Uh, it was just, it was, it couldn't have been time more perfectly. So I, I, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to spend all of high school surrounded by all these like-minded people. And uh, it, for some reason, even though they're two very different things, when I was in grade nine, 10 and 11, we also got treated to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And that like so many people were talking about these two epic trilogies that were happening to be coming out at the same time, that it was like the second you start feeling even an inkling of lightsaber fatigue, here's something about hobbits to, to perk you up again. And then the second that starts to fade, here's something with Jedi's. And it was this back and forth of just glorious fandom. Uh, and every one of my friends was a fan of either one, the other, or both. Uh, so there was always somebody to talk to about something. And with Attack of the Clones, it, it still to this day is my favorite prequel. There was something about it coming out, the time it came out, and then what it gave me and the the breadth of the story that it gave me. And it was the first time that a Star Wars movie felt mysterious. Like there was an air of mystery to like, who's this Sifo Diaz guy? What's going on here? Uh, what's, what's happening in this Coruscant underbelly? There's so much that we don't know about this huge galaxy. And it opened my mind to the idea that a Star Wars movie could be more than just two militaries fighting each other. It could be a detective story. It could be a romance story. It could be a political thriller. And, that made me appreciate it so much more that I was ravenous for Revenge of the Sith. Like I was just like, yeah, it's like, I could not have been more excited at that point. But then you were let down. I was not let down, but I was like, this is definitely my least favorite Star Wars. Like right off the hop, you were like this, this, you know, this, this is below everything else you had seen at that point. Yeah. I, I remember certain parts sitting in the theater for that. We went to the midnight showing for revenge and certain parts of it made me wince, like visibly wince and Star mm -hmm. Wars had never done that before. So I, I knew that there was something here that was not tickling the right parts of my brain. Uh, but I still walked out of that and I still walk out of every Star Wars to this day with that sense, whether or not, you know, depending where it falls on, on my ranking, doesn't matter. I still walk out just so happy and thankful that I saw a Star Wars, right? Mm -hmm. It's the old saying, the, the worst day fishing is still better than the best day working. So any it depends chance, on what you're doing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what are you fishing is your work? Oh, yeah, that would suck. <laughs> uh, so, and I, like, I feel that way about like a Marvel or a James Bond too. It's like you're, I don't care how bad the movie ends up being. Yeah, give me die another day, whatever. I will still walk out of there with a smile on my face because I just got to see a James Bond. So the Star Wars impact is that much similar. It's it's going to make my day. It's going to be something 
that my life revolves around for a period of time where it's counting down to it and then experiencing it and then reflecting on it and then experiencing it a second, third, fourth time. It, it takes over everything in the most positive way possible. So whether it's the heights of heights or the low of lows, it's going to permeate my whole world and it's going to make me appreciate good storytelling, good movies, good fun, uh, toys, comics, books, whatever. It's going to just entrench me in that world and just make me happy to be a fan. Were you happy to be a fan in the years at following Revenge of the Sith? And when Clone Wars came out, the I, which I believe was like a year. Was it only like a year after Sith or two? I think it was 08. I think. Sometimes I've... So were you excited about... Because now you're you're old now like you're in your 20s you're old you're not a child is what i'm saying like 10 year old you'd be like oh yeah it's not worse cartoon in the theater but now you're you're 20 you're cool you're hip you're still playing missions obviously were you excited did you see the clone wars animated movie thing in the theater and did you start watching the show immediately no and no uh, it was uh really off my radar and i couldn't tell you why maybe you're right maybe it's because i was in college maybe i was sort of distancing myself, even if not, even if it was only like subconsciously. But I think what it was more than anything was I had not to that point experienced, with the exception of like Batman, the animated series, I had not experienced great cartoons that could be appreciated by grownups. Obviously yeah. Simpsons, but like that's that's more an adult cartoon anyway. Uh, so when I heard a Star Wars cartoon was coming out, I think if I remember right, my mindset was, Ooh, what are they going to do to my Star Wars? Like, what are, who are these people and what are they, what have they done? You know, are, have, whose hands have we put Star Wars into? And it, it yeah. made me a little, uh, there was a lot of trepidation. I was like, okay, I remember just seeing images of like CGI Yoda and I'm like, is this, just going to try to be some cheap thing where it's like Anakin's on a skateboard and they play, you know, like rock music and like, yeah, teenagers like this stuff too. Right? Like it, it, how bad is, is this going to feel like a sunny delight commercial is what mm -hmm. I'm thinking. Yeah. And I, I think that just kind of kept me away because I didn't know who Dave Filoni was. I didn't know that avatar, the last airbender was the greatest cartoon ever made. And I didn't know that the same people who were pulling the strings there would come on to Clone Wars and give it just as much, if not more love. I didn't know that these people were the biggest of big fans to the point where they would uh, like remember minutia from the movies and include it. And I, so I just stayed away for a long time until I started hearing, you know, great things about the show. So I checked it out and I was watching season one and I still wasn't 100% sold. I watched the movie. I bought the, the DVD of the movie. I'm like, okay, this is fine. But I wasn't sold until a particular moment. Uh, and the DVDs, they would have, I think, little little you know featurettes of like Filoni mm -hmm. and his, his pals talking and stuff. And there was a moment that sold me because uh, I'm watching these episodes and there's a lot of General Grievous, who I love. And I'm thinking, you cannot love Grievous. You, you cannot love Grievous. He's fantastic. He's, he's, he just has a little bit of bronchitis issue. That's all. Don't hold it against him. Um, but I, 
the mindset that I had was, okay, based on every cartoon I've seen before, the people who make those cartoons, you know, they don't care about stuff that's yeah. important to diehard fans. So I was like, they're going to have Grievous fight Anakin because they're two big characters on the show, even though in Revenge of the Sith, they meet for the first time. So they can't meet yet. And I was like, okay, when's this going to happen? And Grievous never fought Anakin. Grievous never met Anakin. And I'm like, huh, are they staying true? So then I watched one of these featurettes and one of the first things Filoni says in this Grievous episode is like, we have to be very careful. Uh, Anakin is not supposed to meet Grievous till the opening scene of Revenge of the Sith. And so we always worked around it where even though they might be on the same planet or in the same city or even in the same ship, they never come face to face. And I, that was what made me sit back and say like, oh my God, these are actual real Star Wars fans making the show. This is not just some corporate monstrosity who got the license to Star Wars and is making a cartoon because it's profitable. These people care. They care enough to not make Anakin and Grievous come face to face. And that sold me. I'm like, I'm on board. I scooped up all the seasons that were out on DVD and I'm like, let's go. Let's clone some wars. How old were you for that? That was, uh, that was post-college. I would have say, I would say maybe I was, um, 25. So this is right around the time of the Disney acquisition. then. Shortly before. Yeah. Shortly Just before. before. Okay. So that's what happened. You're like, wow, this is something else. Blah, 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 blah. You go back to missions for a bit, obviously, because that's what <laughs> all you do. And then all of a sudden there's a picture and George Lucas has signed Star Wars away. What, what was going through your head when you saw that? Uh, oh, God, what wasn't? I was because I thought, you know, I was still living in the world and the headspace that uh, we weren't getting any more Star Wars. And I was at peace yep. with that. And I was like, OK, six movies, a really good cartoon. That's it. We're not getting, you know, it's over. It's done. I understand things should end eventually. So I was kind of at peace with that. And I had moved on to new obsessions over the years, right after, uh, right around the time Revenge of the Sith came out, I was already obsessed with Lost and Lost kept me going for like six years. And I was, you know, dissecting every frame of that show and just falling in love with it every week. And uh, I also became obsessed with the Assassin's Creed games because they had a really good in-depth story. They had one anyway before the writers changed. And that was something that was coming out every year. They would crank out one of those games. So I'd be like, ooh, it's not just like a Mario game where it's like, hey, it's the next Mario game. Um, this was like the next chapter of a story every time a new game came out. So it was a big that's deal. What a Mario, that's what a Mario game is, Andrew. I know. Yeah. It's Mario has his merits. I love his I love his merits. He's a good little Italian plumber who does lots of great things. Uh, but I mean, something that happens in 64 doesn't affect what happens in Odyssey. And, uh, that's the way I don't know what games you're playing. Cause that's all I see. <laughs> the connective tissue blows my mind on Mario games. I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for that. You're waiting for that Mario, uh, visual dictionary to explain how everything's all tied together. Right? <laughs> um, so Assassin's Creed was like blowing my mind. Even after Lost had finished, I was like, oh my God, these games are fantastic. The story's magnificent. And I had been waiting on pins and needles for Assassin's Creed 3, which is actually the fifth game. Long story. Yeah. Uh, because it was supposed to tie up a big chunk of the story. It was supposed to sort of be an ending, if not the ending. And it had just come out. It came out like October 28th or something. So I had been playing it for 
two days and I was in the middle of playing it when my friend Robin sends me a text message. And I kind of glance on my phone because I'm in the middle of Assassin's Creeding, man. I don't have time yeah, for texting. I gotta, I gotta save, you know, the American Revolution's happening and I have to help mm -hmm. my brothers fight the British. And I, I look over at my phone and I just see him and I see like a big like caps lock thing of Star Wars. And I'm like, I do a little, <laughs> I do a little double take. I'm like, okay, what does he want? And I have the controller in one hand and I have the phone in the other and I pick up the phone and I see there, I open it and it says, Disney has just bought Star Wars and they are making episodes seven, eight and nine plus spinoffs all in capitals. I and love that. It, I love that it wasn't Lucasfilm, it's Star Wars. Disney bought Star Wars. Yeah. That's all, no one cared. It was Star Wars is the answer. Right. I mean, what else are they doing with that property? Uh, and I think I dropped the controller <laughs> on my lap and I'm like, what? What, what, are you, what are you saying to me right now? And I dived into the, the news articles to see what was going on. And sure enough, and, and everything was laid out and they had plans and they didn't have a director at that point, but they were looking. And I was just floored. I was like, well, here, here we go. Here we go again. What's this going to be? This is so exciting. And uh, it just sort of kept me giddy for a, a long while. We had to wait before we even heard about JJ. And like, actually, what do you think about it? It was we got a movie three years after. <laughs> we did, we did. I, that I goes remember. back to time. Like time is so weird. It felt like forever, but it was three years. We got a movie. Like, yeah. We got a movie three years. It, you know, it, it felt. It, I agree with you. Like we waited a long time to figure out who was directing it. But then in retrospect, you're like, no, we got like they bought it and had a movie in three years. But but I do think that text that that you got, I think that sums up a lot of problems that have plagued star Wars and that's like to do it seven eight, nine and they don't have any plan. It's like, and I don't mean no plan in the story, right? I just mean like, they were just like, we're going to do it. It's like, well, why are you going to like sit back and relax? Let's, let's mm -hmm. get it. You know? Um, but it's funny. Cause I think for me, it was my first reaction was I was excited because of what they had done up to that point with uh, the MCU um, because I thought Iron Man was brilliant, and I, you know I'm not the biggest fan of the the first Captain America, which has a Star Wars connection, and um, the first Thor is my favorite, and uh, I won't talk about the Avengers, which I don't. When did Avengers come out? Was that was that twelve? Twenty twelve. It was like five months. So it was the summer before, before the bio. Yeah. So yeah. I was I didn't even like that, and it was like, but because of what they were able to accomplish with it all. It made me very excited about about the. It didn't matter if I liked what they did with Marvel Knight. It was succeeding, and I was excited about the prospect of bringing that element to Star Wars, which is what I think Disney was kind of doing when they. What I think you brought up earlier, they should have they should shift their focus to more Lord of the Rings style uh, storytelling and be more epic than MCU's and MCU works for the MCU. Is yes it's a, it's different like it's very different from star wars and i think over time it's kind of that's really kind of shown like been been evident but anyway so the longest three years of your life happens they announced jj abrams whenever they did that 2013 14 they announced jj abrams you're a huge fan of lost as you said how excited were you uh when you heard that i think i was just sort of lukewarm uh yeah. I, I just i remember reading it and thinking yeah that makes sense JJ is the kind of guy who takes properties like these. Uh, I mean, he was all over Star Trek at the time, so it made perfect sense to me that they would get him. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was I, uninspiring. Yeah, it wasn't like a, a choice that would be like, wow, what a great pick. It was just like, 
Yeah. I mean, my favorite on, on their list was oddly enough, John Favreau, because uh, as you know, swingers made is like, I'm a big advocate for the movie made just watch made, but I like that. He's my number one. I know you're big on Matthew Vaughn. I think was like someone that you've always wanted to do a star Wars. Yeah. I don't know back then, but yeah, Mm -hmm. but, but JJ was with it. It was a little uninspired, but again, like you said with star Trek. So yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of the it guy to breathe life into dead science fiction. Uh, I mean, he basically remade E.T. with Super 8. So he was doing that all over the place. So I was going to recreate the ending. Whoa! Actually, I really like Super 8. I like Super 8 until the ending. And you're like, wait, James, are you you trying to say that JG can't stick the landing? No. (laughs) Just saying. The ending is the ending. So, yeah, he was, uh, he just made sense. So I'm like, all right, okay, JJ, let's see what you're going to do here. And uh, for a long while, you know, there was nothing because they're making things. I don't even remember what I felt when I heard about the casting. I think the only casting I remember reacting to was John Boyega because I loved Attack the Block. Mm. And I remember thinking like, this guy in Attack the Block, he's, he's going to be huge. He's so good. What's, what else is he going to be in? So when I found out he was in Star Wars, I'm like, yes, give him, give him all the Star Wars, go. Uh, but the first sort of piece of news that I remember striking me, and not necessarily in a good way or in a bad way, but it was a, I think it was a Facebook post or something that JJ made or that Lucasfilm made where they said, check it out. This is the new design of the Stormtroopers. And they showed off what the yeah. first Order Troopers looked like. And I remember that kind of took me by surprise a bit. And I didn't dislike the, the images. I thought, yeah, those look cool. Those are cool new designs. But I, I remember talking to people and I'm like, it's weird because I did not expect there to be Stormtroopers in a movie that takes place 30 years after the Empire. So when I saw that there were stormtroopers again, I'm like, "What? what's this movie now? Like, what are you doing? Um, and that just caught me off guard. And I was, I was like, hmm. And then more stuff starts coming out that looks more exciting, like Ray and, and Poe's X-Wing. And I'm like, wow, he's got a black and orange X-Wing. Cool. Uh, and those things got me a little bit more hyped. Uh, so to the point where, when the movie was getting close to release and the world became inundated again, like it did in Phantom Menace times with all this stuff and all these books and kids talking about it. It took me back to that moment. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I love about star Wars. I love that. It, it's like the world cup. It becomes this thing that the whole yeah. world talks about for like a month and a half. Yeah. So that got me like really, really pumped. And I go into the theater and I come out and I'm like, that was a great star Wars movie. And I was on board for the trilogy. Yeah, when I went to see it, I got out of the theater. I, was, I had a smile on my face the whole way. Mm. But in, in what you just said earlier, I didn't feel like, I felt like the they didn't stick the landing. And I spoke to you about this and you're like, no, no, the next one, the next one. But then the next one didn't stick the landing either. Because the landing is, I'm still waiting for it to land from the first one. And then <laughs> like the third one comes like, hey, it's going to stick the landing. And it, you know, it got like a six and a half out of ten on the on the landing on off the horse. But like, you know what I mean? Like, it was like the whole thing was like because I I I I you know I call the the Force Awakens a donut, right? It's delicious, but it's empty calories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it felt like Star Wars. It felt like we were back in Star Wars. The atmosphere in the theater of all three of them sequels was the greatest experience since the Phantom Menace. Um, it was just bar like bar none, like. 
Last Jedi, Last Jedi, my Last Jedi viewing experience was plagued by a forty dollars ticket, but whatever. And but like you know, Rise of Skywalker, I was saw it with you. We'll get to that in a little bit, but that was. But Force Awakens, a lot of fun. You leave the theater. Um, we gotta go. I gotta talk to you about this. I met you at the mall a few days uh, later, or was it before? Or after it was after, right? It was after you guys had seen it. But yeah, well, we went to I go get it. some elite figures. Yes, I can't reach my laser. That was um, there yeah, was the Ray Disney with the lights. Yeah, Disney store. There was R.I.P. There was Ray with a lightsaber, Poe Dameron, and unmasked Kylo Ren, and two of them were. Not spoiler, but spoiler, right? So, and I was like, "Oh my god, you can't look at these these figures, Andrew. You haven't seen the movie yet." And so, you, I, how did you pick? Who did you pick? You picked Ray, right? Yeah, because there was that raffle, and I ended up yeah. getting one. And they said, "Okay, who do you want?" And I said, "Well, from what I've seen, the trailers, Ray is the coolest looking character. Can I please have Ray?" And I think, yeah, one of you, either you or Brock, you were like, "Andrew, before you pick up that toy, let us see it." So yeah, I, showed yeah, it, yeah. I, I just showed it to you. I looked away and you guys kind of shared a look and you're like, okay, Andrew, put it in the bag and don't look at it. Till you watch <laughs> <Don't> it. <laughs> it. <laughs> well, cause they did. I look, I know people are, were upset. Like, okay. I have some people were upset that they, that they, 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 uh, they put uh Finn with the lightsaber and they're like, ah, it's, it's deceiving. I was, I was okay with it because they were hiding who actually had it and they were kind of showing you and, and whatever. And I was like, I was like, well, fine, you know, whatever. You know, I'm not crazy about a lot of secrets, but that one I was okay with because it was the bait and switch, right? And I was, I was actually fine. I was fine with that advertising strategy the whole time. But um, I lost my train of thought. Now you see what you made me do? My watch just buzzed and I lost everything. I was fine with that one. The one problem I had with the Ray, though, was in the Monopoly, the Force Awakens Monopoly, which Aaron bought me. It had uh, Finn. It had no females in it. It was Finn, Luke, Kylo, and Vader. Oh. And um, so they ended up doing a thing where you could call, where you could email them and they would ship you a ray because so many people complained that like a year later they made a ray. And I was like, I get, I get that you don't want Ray to have a lightsaber and you can't give it away, but you can give her the blast, a blaster. Give her her you staff, man. Her staff is so cool. Her, exactly. Her staff, you could put Leia in there with a guy. Like, anyway, they, they, um, they bought they botched that part of the of the of the ad campaign, but that I thought was great. So you didn't look at it, but then you saw the movie, and after you saw the movie, we had a discussion in that same mall, I believe. And you told me a theory you had about Ray, and I said, Andrew, you are the stupidest person on the planet. And I got up, I threw a poutine in your face, mm-hmm. and I, it wasn't even my poutine; it was a guy we said. And I walked out of the mall. But tell us what that theory was, and if it came uh, true, are you happy about it? And my theory was, because uh, there was all this brouhaha of who is Ray and, yeah. and where is Ray? And then Drax was like, I'll do you one better. Why is Ray? Uh, and uh, I, I was of the mind that I was like, okay, if I was writing these movies, the most interesting story I could tell would be that Ray is the granddaughter of Shivip. Because even, even though we had a similar vein of like Luke finding out that mm-hmm. space Hitler is his daddy. They didn't really play with that that much. There was never a moment where he's standing with the rebel Alliance and somebody calls him out and says, Hey, we found out Vader's your dad. And the rebels are like, we don't, we don't trust you. Like there was, they could have done a lot with that, that reveal, but it's, it's not touched. It's just sort of like, okay, nobody finds out except layout right at the end. So I was like, I want to see 
that story, but told in more detail where it's like the other people don't trust her now and she doesn't trust herself. And it creates all this really cool tension. So I just wanted a Ray Palpatine. Plus it meant, you know, we would get some little taste of Palpatine because he's dead. So how do you carry on the greatest villain of all time and have it still make a mark as well? Maybe this is his heir. Um, and I told you that, and you, you threw the poutine in my face, and the square one security said, right in your face. Yeah, sir, you're making a scene. Please leave. And you did. Uh, but then, lo and behold, what ended up happening in Rise of Skywalker, James? Your fan theory came to life. Mm-hmm. Ray became a Palpatine for the sake of ending a story and bringing Palpatine back. Um. I, you know, I do wonder if that was the plan from the get-go for her to be a Palpatine in J.J. Abrams' mind. You don't think so? I, I don't think J.J. Abrams had plans. I really don't. No, no, because Simon Pegg said that Ray came from some kind of royalty. <laughs> Simon Pegg, uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, he might have been talking with J.J. over drinks one day, and J.J.'s like, yeah, I might have her come from royalty. That sounds fun. Yeah, okay, yeah, maybe right. right. Like, I, I'm, I'm at, like, I, I just don't trust jj's creative process yeah no i get i get that. like i like i said the force Awakens for me is a donut but it didn't stick the landing because the whole thing like who is ray who cares like that shouldn't be you know i've talked to you about some of my problems with uh some things that happen in uh, the mcu shows and it feels like it's the same type of thing where it's like it's that mystery box that he talks about which is great but also at some point I don't care about your mystery. Like just, just open the damn box and let's have at her because I don't care. And then that's, that's how I was with the Forest wagons. I'm like, Oh my God. And because you know, they're throwing the baton to the next guy and the next guy I was like, well, how are they going to like, are we going to, is it going to feel connective? And I think a lot of instances it doesn't feel, it feels disjointed a lot of times. And I mean, Mark Hamill comes in and he says, well, there's supposed to be rocks beside me, but then, you know, so, you know, there's obviously, that was my, and that, you know, I don't, and I, for me, that starts with that first movie. Like that first movie should have just nipped things in the butt. Like, um, we'll get into Last Jedi now. So you have, you have, uh, well, no, it was Rogue One. Rogue One. Did I see Rogue One with you in the theater the first time or was that? Uh... No. First one I saw with you. Was that Solo? Was Solo. Yeah, we saw Solo and things. So so let's go Rogue One uh, and Last Jedi. So you go to see Rogue One. What were your thoughts on that one? My thoughts on Rogue One was I was like, this is so much fun. This is great. This is a beautiful, perfect spinoff. It's full of old and full of new. It's everything you could want in a new Star Wars. Like I had nothing bad to say about Rogue One when I walked out of it. Uh, and I, I still hold it up. Like this is the gold standard. If you want to make a Star Wars spinoff movie, you look at Rogue One. That's how you do it. I would argue that the Mandalorian is comparable to Rogue One in yeah. terms of what it, how, like, not, I mean, whatever, but the way it feels like Star Wars, like they're both, they, they both feel like they're from the same universe. For yes. Sure. And now the last Jedi, um, we, we, we had started the podcast, you know, we were doing videos all the time, like we're leading into, leading into it. I remember uh, you didn't come with me open night cause you went to go see them with your cousin on the Saturday. I went on that, Thursday night, I believe. And that day I went with uh, Brock and Rob to like the Star Wars pop-up shop downtown. And I remember having a beer with them in the afternoon beforehand. And we cheers to uh, to not being able to make any more Snoke theories. That was our cheers for like, yeah. to, the, to the death of our, 
clickbait was basically it because it was like after the and then the movie ended it was like well what are we clickbait on now so you see on the saturday you had to avoid the movie uh for two days well even mm-hmm. longer if you count the premiere and all that so how did you avoid it and what watching it what were you thinking and give us your reaction right out of it yeah i just stayed off the social media because my my cousin had two toddlers so saturday was the only day he could go so i just had to stay off for two days not listen to anything not listen to anybody um i think at that yeah that time i was still watching the collider crew uh they were Uh still making stuff and they were very good about not spoiling stuff so i could kind of watch them and listen to what they had to say but uh, I was still being really careful. I remember having a conversation one evening with you on the phone after you had seen it. And mm-hmm. you were you were having so much trouble describing things because of how weird and different that movie ended up being. It's a tough one to talk about to someone who does It's easy to talk about, but it's tough to talk about to someone who doesn't want to know specifics because it's everything that happens is specific. Like if yes. there's nothing, like everything happens. It's like, well, I can't tell you that because that gives like there's very little things that you can discuss yeah it's literally the polar opposite of force awakens where everything was just kind of a a vague sort of thing that that comes into play Mm -hmm. this was like everything was a specific point everything was a turning point everything Mm -hmm. kind of pivoted the story in a new direction so you were you're being very cautious on the phone with me and i think i wanted to to say everything but i couldn't say anything it was like the weirdest conversation i'll never forget it it was like I was just like, is Snoke cool? And you're like, yes, Snoke is cool. And I was like, is Ray cool? And you're like, yes, she is still cool. And I was like, is, does she talk to Luke at all? And you said, she has scenes with Luke. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was like, what, I don't know what to, <laughs> like, what do you say? I think we we did nail a lot of it beforehand on the shows like i think a lot of it it was funny because when i did a year review that year i looked back and we had some never tell me the odds it was like will finn kill one of them i think the same show was will finn kill kill phasma will kylo kill snoke and there was something with luke and ray and all of them came true wow now we didn't i don't think we gave positive odds to those (laughs) but the fact that 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 was in my head are we i think we really i think we figured that movie out more than than we knew going into it and i think um it it, it was, what was your theater like was the theater like excited when the movie like how was the reaction it was, a, people, people, hmm? it was a very quiet theater it was yeah. so quiet it was and you love the movie we got it let's preface you love the movie yes yeah, yeah okay no yeah. i don't want people to be like well it hates the movie that's why it hates the movie. No, <laughs> you love the movie but the theater was like crickets yeah nobody nobody cheering nobody reacting to things uh literally the only people i could hear reacting were myself and and vince like we were just like wow uh yeah i don't think any of us walked into that movie expecting snoke to die uh i know rob didn't because he was beside me and he was not happy (laughs) (laughs) and i was like thank you i was very happy but i was also i was i was sorry i was I was at two end. I was very happy about it, but I was also like, well, what the, like, what was the point of that? Like, what's the point? What's the point? Anyway, sorry, go on. Well, because we got to the end of that movie and there was still no hide or hair of Palpatine to be seen or heard of. I, at that point, when Last Jedi finished, I thought, okay, 
there's no Palpatine in this trilogy, and I'm fine with that. But like Snoke was such a cool new villain, and now we lost him, and his death didn't make me upset, but I was just like, if Kylo Ren's the villain now, I don't think he's as cool as Snoke was, to be honest. I thought Snoke was so much more interesting to look at. He just there was potential with Snoke that never got explored. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and it was again. It was a it was a big JJ mystery box thing, to the point where the visual dictionaries barely said a word about him. They yeah. were like, "Yeah, Snoke's a big bad really- dude," and it was, it was building up a punchline to a joke that never got told. That was my, part of my problem with the Last Jedi, as a movie, is it feels like really the main thing that of interest. To he who shall not be named it was Kylo Ren and Ray and their relationship. And then secondary was Luke and, and Ray. And then like everything else was kind of like an afterthought. Like, ah oh, crap, I gotta throw these guys in. I gotta throw this in. It was like I loved Holdo. I thought Holdo was great. And I don't mm-hmm. I think I mean, I think you know, with obviously Carrie Fisher's passing and everything, it might have worked if Leia was the one to pilot that ship. I've never I'm never going to argue that it should have been though. I never thought it should have been Akbar. That Akbar's death was kind of weird. It was like Akbar's dead. I remember in the theater, like, am I the only one that heard that? Did I hear <laughs> that right? Is he really like? That was kind of. I mean, not that Akbar is like a character I care so much about, but you, I, it was weird though. It was just like a weird throwaway. That's that my problem though. Is it almost felt like so little that was being set up in the Force Awakens was cared about that it was like nah. Yeah, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and it always felt like, like I just said to you before, is like, well, we're gonna do stuff, but don't worry, the next one will figure it out. You know, it's like there, there's still another movie to come. Don't worry about it. And that's how it always felt like they were passing the buck the whole way through. Yeah, and that's such a dangerously bad way to make a trilogy. And I, I mean, yeah. I, I give, I gotta give credit to to Ryan Johnson because even though they made a trilogy the worst possible way you could make a trilogy. He still ended up making a middle chapter, which is arguably the hardest one to make. And he made it a magnificent movie, all things considered. And it just makes me so curious. Like if there had been a plan, could this have been an even better movie? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think my and I, I like the last Jedi is one that grows on me. I gave it like an eight out of ten on our review four or five years ago. But look, it 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 doesn't commit to ideas still, and that's the biggest problem. Is everyone? No one wants to commit, and then then finally they had to, and they're like, "Well, I guess Bray's got to be a Palpatine because we gotta we gotta figure this out." Because no one would commit to an idea anymore, right? It was like. Hey, do you want to join me? No. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I can live rocks. Okay. Like, it was just like, no one committed to anything. Like, who are Ray's parents? And she looks in the mirror and it there's no answer, right? It's like, just commit to your idea. What, what were you trying to tell us? Just if you come out and tell us without your stupid mystery box, then there's no argument, right? No one can speculate and no one is, is bummed out because... I think, look, I think if you predict something and it goes a different way with a different answer, you can, you'll still be disappointed, but it's a different disappointment from getting no answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for, and I think that was a problem with the sequels as a whole. It was like, there was never an answer. It was always like, yeah, raise a nobody or is she, you know, I was like, what? Either she is or she isn't. Because when that movie ended, 
my wife was on one side and my mom was on the other side of me in the theater because we had like an entire row of people. And they both got up and they said, so Ray and Kylo are brother and sister, right? Both of them said that separate from each other. It, that was their thought. And, I, and you know, people are like, how could they think that? I'm like, because that's their mind wasn't going the direction that your mind was going. Mm-hmm. And there was no answer. They, there, there was nothing to tell them that that was incorrect thought. Now, obviously, there was nothing in that movie that told them that it couldn't be that. So I don't know. That was one thing that stood out for me with that movie was when it ended. That question was still weirdly up in the air. Like, we should be, we should have been past that in the, by the time we met Ray. Like, if you compare Luke to Ray, we were past that with Luke the minute he's like, my father was a pilot. We're like, okay, his father was a pilot. We're good to go. Like, you don't, the, yeah. the Vader thing is not, like, the, but Ray, they're just like, ooh, I don't know. You're somebody. Um, anyway, you have, uh, we go see Solo together. You hate Solo because it's, it's lit, like, the, the, they didn't pay their electricity electricity bill <laughs> and and you hate all wookies so we can yes see. big hater I'm, of gonna, wookies. I'm, I'm not gonna let you defend it you hate solo we move on <laughs> to, to finally a year and a half later solo was a, disney made a mistake with the mary poppins and solo release dates mary poppins should have come out in may solo should come out in december we'll move on because both of them failed at the box office well i don't know if they would have done better but i think solo would have probably fed a bit better anyway rise of skywalker comes you're at you're at star wars celebration chicago tell us a little bit about that well that was a beautiful celebration moment i mean i i'm standing there in this huge room knowing that we're getting our trailer today we're getting not only a trailer but a title reveal because we still didn't know what the title was and i had met up with the the fellas from rebel watch there mike and ezra and uh, and Holly, she was with him as well, part of Rebel Watch. And like the five of us were just like giddy and we were just hanging out and talking and theorizing and speculating. And then finally the panel comes on and the trailer comes on and the trailer is a beautiful trailer. Yeah, uh, it was. JJ can make a trailer, boy. That that guy knows his trailers. And uh, it, it culminates in this Palpatine laugh that uh, I think my reaction is still out there on the internet on the Celebration fan page. Like it's, I, I, I pulled one of these. I was like, ah. Um, so that pointed me in the direction of the movie saying like, Andrew, you're getting what you wanted, but like you just said earlier, James, you know, there's a, the disappointment of not getting what you want is a different kind of disappointment of getting something that's just, you know, wrong. Uh, and even though I ended up getting what I wanted, they gave it to me in a pretty half-assed way. And that was kind of, it was painful to watch. And that was the first Star Wars movie, aside from Revenge of the Sith, where I was sitting in the theater wincing at a lot of different moments. And I'm like, they did that? Um, and it, it just kept happening. Uh, and it, I came out of that movie still with that mentality. Of, I got to see a new Star Wars. I'm so happy. But also with like, I got to see my new least favorite Star Wars movie. Um, and it's, it was something, I was one of those people who was defending the trilogy from day one. Um, because, you know, Force Awakens comes out and all these haters are like, the movie sucked because we didn't learn anything about Snoke. And I'm like, you know, it's a trilogy, right? You know, you're not supposed to learn everything. Well, in fairness, nobody knew it was a trilogy. Yeah, I guess not. Creators didn't know. Yeah, like yeah. Know. So the I was 
I was one of those people, like you're saying, after Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, I'm defending it to people. I'm saying, listen, we have not seen the end of the story. Calm down. Wait till it's over. And then you can tell me why you thought it was bad. Uh, and then it ends. And once it ends, I'm like, okay, you know what? Some of those people were right. This is a trilogy that had no idea where it was going. And damn, does it ever show. Because you had two movies that come out that are, in my opinion, home run movies. But they're home runs based purely on luck. Like, we are, it was so lucky that they managed to make two fantastic movies with no plan. But once you get to the end, that's where we see, like, wow, you have no idea what you're doing, do you, Lucasfilm? Like, you, this feels like I'm at an improv competition. Oh, what's going on? Uh, I'm the spy. Right? Um, That's true. So, uh, it just, that was what gave me that, that sort of uh, the disillusionment with what they're doing over there. And uh, I, do you remember when Mandalorian season two was not out yet, but they were talking about it and they were interviewing the cast and Giancarlo Esposito said something. He said, you know, we've, you know, season two will be out soon. You should be really looking forward to it. He goes, I'm really excited being able to play this character. And, you know, we're moving forward now already. And he goes, wait till you see the crazy answers and revelations that are coming in season four. Yeah. yeah. And I remember reading that and thinking, that's how you tell a goddamn story (laughs) by having that, you know, planned by, by, by any book about how to write a screenplay or how to write a story. I've had to buy several because of what I do. And it's like, every one of those writers will tell you, you make a board you plot everything out. You know where you're starting and where you're ending and you figure out how you're going to get there. The The fact that this multi-multi-million dollar trilogy was made and ignored the basic principles, the screenwriting mm-hmm. 101 principles, again, it speaks to how miraculous it is that we got two awesome movies out of it. But of course you're going to end on a sour note because how yeah. could you? How could you get lightning strike three times. It's just not going to happen at all. So you watched it. It was your favorite Star Wars movie you ever saw that's been established. But I, I saw that movie with you in the theater. Yep. Um, and it was like, um, like the old days. It was, we, we, we did like a row and a half or something. Like it was a lot of us there. We all went. And I, I, from what I I remember though was when that movie ended, um, especially versus the the Last Jedi was it was it was more reminiscent. Leaving that theater was more reminiscent to the Force Awakens, where people seemed excited about Star Wars, about what they saw. The Last Jedi, and I think the movie's meant to do this. Like Empire Strikes Back would have been the same. I imagine it was like wow, <laughs> like oh my god. But like the theater was dead signs for the last day. But the Rise of Skywalker, people were excited leaving the theater, watching that one. Our theater, anyway. People now are, are complaining, but I, I remember that. So the movie ended though, and we all hung out. And did you fake like it? No, I didn't fake like it because I was still in that mindset of like I just got to see a new Star Wars. You know, I had been soaking in it. Uh, for however long, a month, a month and a half, it was, I was soaking in the- We did, a, we did, a, do you remember, you and I, I said I was going to make this short and I can't stop over talking, talking over you. 
you and I did a trailer reaction, a live trailer reaction on YouTube where we sat for like two hours mm -hmm. and watched football and talked, and then the trailer came on TV, and we are like, yeah! and like we did that for like two hours. And I don't even like doing trailer reactions. I hate that. Uh, They're that the worst. Just, they are, yeah. We've done a few because they get views, but I, I can't do them. They're so, and it doesn't matter who you are, Andrew. They're fake. They're the fakest thing on the planet. No, like, because when I watch a trailer, I'm like this. Huh. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, anyway, <clears throat> but so, but we did that for like two hours. We did it. It's the most Monday night football I've ever pretended to care about. <laughs> that was, that was a lot of fun though. That was, uh, yeah. It was fun though. We were just so stupid. And that we will was the sit one... here until the trailer drops. That was the one where C3PO says, uh, taking one last look at my friends. Yeah. Like, that was the big emotional one. Um, and I think <clears throat> I think that uh the movie I genuinely liked lots of parts of the movie because lots of parts of the movie was what I love. It was good Star Wars stuff. It was Bulio, people like Bulio, who I love, people like Zori Bliss, new planets, new worlds, new stories, lots of great stuff with Ray and Kylo, lots of great stuff with Ray and Leia, uh, lots of beautiful Poe moments. Uh, the, the, um, the whole package came with a lot of great stuff. It was like an advent calendar where, you know, 14 days were good chocolate. And then the rest was like a plastic comb. J.J. <laughs> Abrams, I, I think, is understood those characters better than than Ryan Johnson. I think he had mm -hmm. he he. I think what he did with the majority of them, maybe not all, obviously, but the majority of them, the ones that he created, especially, I think he had a, had a far better understanding and use for. Even though I think some of them fell short at the end, when we were promised two movies prior, I think some characters fell short. But I think. Finn, I think, took a backseat in The Last Jedi uh, character-wise. I don't think his character... Like, I say this all the time. When I saw The Force Awakens, I went in for Kylo and I left for Finn. Like, I yeah, was like, Finn, Finn was Finn awesome. Was the best. Yeah, and then The Last Jedi, I was like, Finn was... like there was, I didn't like Finn in The Last Jedi that much. It was just like this bland. What are you doing? And then they came back. He was back in... in the weird, the weird, I have a secret to tell you, and then never say it is weird still, but like why why just cut that line out of the movie when he says it the two just cut it out of the movie i i whatever um but anyway you saw that crap you hated your life you're like why did i waste my money you burned all of your missions mm -hmm. games and then bought them again um but in between and also look the force Awakens. you mentioned people hating the force awakens but really the hate for the force awakens kind of came around the world rogue one time when I think that movie kind of came out and people were like, oh, this is this is what Star Wars actually is. And it was, I honestly, it's really the alien. Like, it was more for me, the aliens didn't show up in the original movies. You know what I mean? Like, we needed the aliens that we knew in the sequels and we never got them. We got these new weird aliens, which is fine. You need a mixture of both. I think Rogue One really accomplished that. And that's what, that's really the first stepping stone to people hating on the sequels and then The Last Jedi and then whatever. But in between all the hate and the solo bombing or whatever comes this this unexpected thing called the mandalorian they're like we're going to do a streaming service called disney plus and you're going to get this thing called the mandalorian and we're going to we're going to be wrapping it up with the mandalorian talk because that's the last thing we really can't well i guess 
no, Book of Boba Fett hasn't come out by the time this drops. No. So <laughs> we've got two days, I think. I don't know when I'm putting this one up. But but anyway, Mandalorian's coming out. What were your expectations? Because you were also in Chicago for that. So what were your expectations for the Mandalorian? And did they exceed or did they rise a Skywalker, those expectations? My expectations were really slim for Mandalorian. Not that I'm saying I expected it to be bad. I'm saying I had very few expectations. Um, when they announced it, my first thought was like, okay, I mean, of all the cool stuff we saw during the Clone Wars, the Mandalorian is maybe like ninth on my list. Like there was a lot cooler things that I would have rather explored than people on Mandalore and like Bo-Katan and everybody. So, but I'm like, okay, that's fine. We we can we can roll with this and see what happens. And the whole buzz around celebration was when they there was a panel that I was not privy to because I didn't have like a nine hundred dollar ticket or something like that. But there was a panel that if you got into it, you got to see I think a clip. And they told uh, I remember talking to Mike and Ezra about this after, and they 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 said something about the the bounty that the Mandalorian is after. Whoever mm. he is trying to track down was a big deal. And everybody was trying to theorize who the bounty yeah. could be. I was talking to Mike and Ezra about it. And we were bouncing off ideas like, what if it's Luke? What if it's Ahsoka? What if, what, whatever. And that was sort of the only thing, the only little bit of hype that I had going into it was like, so there's a bounty that's going to be a big deal. And of course, we had no idea just how big a deal this bounty was going <laughs> to end up being. Um, but the the feeling of getting Disney Plus and waking up at the crack of dawn in the gloomy light, what light there was in my living room, and the Christmas trees up, and I turn on the TV and I boot up the Mandalorian. That's what I think of when I think of the Mandalorian. I think of six forty five a.m. in the complete <laughs> gloom of a of a December morn or a November morn in that case that it was, uh, and just putting on this show and not knowing what I was going to get because TV is TV. It's a different animal. I was, you know, afraid of cheap looking uh, Star yeah. Wars stuff. I was afraid of, you know, watered down Star Wars stuff. I I just, we had no, same thing with Rogue One. We had no idea going to Rogue One. What was the spinoff like? We have no idea going into Mandalorian. What's a show like? And by the end of the first episode, when Grogu pops his little head out and I, I see what they're going for and I see what kind of reactions they're trying to elicit from the fans. I understood. And I'm like, I am, I could not be more on board with this because they know all you have to do is show us that little head and those little ears. He's right here. I have him right here. Where are you? I can't reach because of my head. Luke. Hold on one second. He can't reach. He's got to go get Luke Skywalker. There he is. Baby Grogu. Oh, Baby Yoda. Here we go. So all they have to do is show us this little head and these little ears. And I think yep. we saw it from behind too. So we just At got a first and then he came up, but he, it, it ended with that, the, uh, the, the Michelangelo yeah. painting. And seeing, knowing that we were seeing a Yoda species when that is something of a taboo yeah. in Star yeah. Wars, just that, you know, it's hard to put my finger on it, but seeing that, okay, this guy exists. It tells me, the people running the show understand in the same way they understood why Grievous and Anakin can't meet yet. They understand why it's a big deal for this thing to exist. 
yeah in the world of star wars and to fans it is a big deal to fans and if they understand I, you know, that we're in good hands you you mentioned the fans because i know people like <clears throat> there's always the size there's a fan service and there's like don't cater to the fans it's like there's there's a weird um middle ground that that's a tightrope you have to walk uh, on what it is and star wars and you know people are always like they like to pretend that what they like about the last jedi is how it's it goes away from star wars but i call bs on all that because the last jedi is empire strikes back in reverse it is 100% star wars so you can whatever like and if you like it, hate it, I don't, it's all subjective, so whatever. But you can't pretend that it's something that it's not, and people like to. And fan service is fan service, but Star Wars is Star Wars. And all the fan service things within Star Wars is what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Like George Lucas was the king of fan service. He's like, ah, Jango Fett. And his uh, <laughs> baby clone is uh, Boba Fett. Like, that's fan service, but he threw it in there, and now it's canon, and now we're getting this book of Boba. Like, it's like it. It blows up from that. He's like, my father was Jago Fett. Like it's it, it, yes. All of a sudden, there's a history to it, and it's brilliant. And and we like to pretend that we're above all that, but that is what Star Wars is. Star Wars is the fan service moments that that, but it's the way it connects it all together, and the way yeah. Baby Yoda is kind of a fan service at the same time. It's like or or Bo Katan is fan service. But it's not. They, they fit no. in with the. It, Star Wars is the best at doing it. Um, the MCU might be up there, but they try to hide it too much, Andrew. But <laughs> the MCU is, is the MCU should just be called fan service because it's all common. Like the, you can't like if you create a character in an MCU movie that doesn't exist on a. What's the point? Like you, they've got like millions of. Terrible characters and really great ones to, to pick from. They're like, well, I'm going to create Bob. They did in the Batman movie and he was great. Oh, Bob the Goon's amazing. One of the best selling action figures of all time, I think. I think he's uh, number one. Yeah. I think he is. He uh, didn't get fa- shot. No, he, that's, but uh, I mean, you can't but work for the Joker. Him. You can't work for the Joker and expect to live. He did. I mean, that I, I'll never, to this day, I'll never understand you. The Joker is that famous in Gotham. Why do people want to work for him? Like, well, hey, go. Andrew, it's a it's a Joker origin story. He he wasn't the Joker when Bob. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Bob. No, Bob. Like, I don't blame Bob one bit. I don't. Blame Bob, Bob and him go way back. That's the problem. Yeah. He didn't suspect that he would get shot by a clown, and then he pointed his. Yeah, that's his friend. He didn't think that's gonna happen. Um, <laughs> so, what were your thoughts on Mandalorian season one? Well, it's it's fan service done right, like you're saying. It's fan service. It's because you can have fan service and not understand why you're doing it and i think that's what a lot of what jj was doing ended up being i mean it's the difference between i buy my wife a bouquet of roses that's wife service hey look look at this bouquet of roses i bought you but my wife her favorite bouquet is daffodils she loves that's her favorite flower why didn't i buy her a bouquet of daffodils if i know that so there's service, like, look what I'm doing for you. But there's, look at the effort I took to understand what you like and why you like it. Yeah. Uh, and Abrams, God bless him. He just gave us roses. But not Rose, though. Not Rose. No, he didn't. That was that was all <laughs> Johnson. into that one. I yeah, that's, that was a good Well played. Uh, but he didn't understand which flowers we liked and why. Uh, yeah. and, and I think that uh, something like the pit, the... 
the petty little removal of that pod racing flag. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. That, Don't even get me started. One of my favorite moments in Mandalorian to this day is Boba Fett introducing himself as I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Right. My favorite, my favorite part of the most recent Boba, book of Boba Fett trailer is the pit droid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, look, they acknowledge it again. Like, you know, I'm with you though. When he mentioned Django Fett, I was like, give him a spinoff. Mm-hmm. Give him a, but that's Star Wars. It's what happened before it has happened. Like it or not, it has happened. Our history, like it or not, has happened. You can't pretend that it hasn't happened. And when you're taking on these movies, like like Luke mentioning uh, the Sith in in uh, Temple of Doom, that was the that was the uh, that's what I call the Last Jedi, the Temple of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that Jedi temple basically was. It was a temple of doom. Luke never left that. T- he died at that temple. It was a temple of his doom. So, but he says like the, the Jedi were deceived. That's one of my favorite parts of the trilogy is when he yeah. mentions that and the uh, actually, <clears throat> actually, I think my favorite parts of the sequel trilogy are in the Last Jedi. There's that moment. There's the the moment on the ship with R two D two who. Really, he got screwed in the sequel. That's like yeah. it, the Rise of Skywalker to this day should have ended with him being shut down for good. Um, and uh, Praetorian Guard scene is is uh, is that's the one you got me right there. Yeah, that's that uh, Praetorians. That, yeah, that's one of my those are my three favorite, probably my three favorite scenes from the sequel trilogy. There might be better scenes, there might be more entertaining scenes, but those are personal, whatever. But this isn't about me. This is about you. But. Did you like the direction the Mandalorian was going? Yes, I did. I I think that it still is very much a TV show. You know, it still is very much mm-hmm. yes. today's episode. I'm going to go to this planet and do a favor for this person so I can get this. Uh, and I hope it kind of starts to shy away from that in three and four. And you and me both. Serialized. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all of that notwithstanding, I mean, you've got everything you love about Star Wars. And stuff that you didn't even remember you love about Star Wars. Yeah. Again, another beautiful Mandalorian moment, James, that I know you appreciated is I think season two, episode two, on his way back from the Crate Dragon, he gets ambushed. One of those things that ambushes him is the same thing that's sitting behind Ray on Jakku. One of those little dudes with the metal eyes, whatever they're called. That that's daffodils. That's exactly what daffodils are. And that's the thing that the thing that's great about the Mandalorian is it it respects what came before and it's re, and it respects chronologically what's coming after, and the yes. fact that that baby Yoda Grogu is leading into Snoke is leading into possibly Ray, possibly Shivp's return. That is what it, it might you know the stories might not be what you want this and that, might, but the fact that it is a it is connected. And it feels connected to what we know and love is really what makes it special. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing that most of all, more than, you know, who gets the dark saber or whatever, like that's, that's cool. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what these people can do. All these talented people, you know, people like, uh, like Bryce Dallas Howard and, um, and, and Taika Waititi, everybody working on the show and obviously Filoni and Favreau, what can they do to, take the end of the Mandalorian and tie it to the end of the, of the sequels and make it one big cohesive thing. Uh, 
and maybe make Rise of Skywalker a little bit better by association because great things do that, right? Uh, and I, when I saw those vats of of like proto Snoke's, that got me excited for a future where I can look at the Rise of Skywalker and have this Mandalorian story there as a backstory to make it all make more sense to because the relevant parts of at least Palpatine's return were left not only on the cutting room floor, but on a cutting room floor of an entirely different building. So it's nice to know that they will have some kind of flavor in them, some kind of life to them to point in the direction of episode nine. I love that uh, the Mandalorian took more care with uh, the backstory of Snoke than the entire sequel trilogy. did. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we're going to wrap it up. That's it. That's a great way to end it. Star Wars is here. Star Wars is good. Look, the best part about this podcast is there's going to be more Star Wars for years to come so we can come back and do a sequel to this, a special edition version. But I'm going to let you go. you got missions to play right now. Andrew, tell everybody where they can find you and your YouTube channel where you talk about succession nonstop. Yeah, I might as well. That's the only thing that gets any views. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can find me on my channel, the Andrew Fantasia YouTube channel, and on Instagram at Andrew underscore Fantasia, and on Twitter at Andrew Fantasia. And uh, if you're a Marvel fan and you're listening to our, our sister podcast on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network, the Infinity Rewatch Podcast with myself and Ryan J. Whitehead, we've got crazy things coming in the month of December. Lots of Hawkeye, lots of Spider-Man, and lots of surprises, too. So stay tuned for all of those. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And until next time, may the force of others be with you. Always. Hey, scumbags. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up on our video. As always, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Rebel Scum Podcast, for all the latest videos.